Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 42. That's our passage today. Psalm 42. Here's the key concept for this morning. God is always able to turn things around. Always able. We're starting a series of messages that will take us the next few weeks. It's it's entitled Living Well. Now, that title may take you in the wrong direction if you don't watch out. Because often we think of living well, we think of big houses, fast cars, we think of the lifestyle of the rich and famous. But let me tell you, you can have all that and not live well. And you can lack all of that and not live well. What I mean by living well is, you might call it wellness. It is living a fulfilling and meaningful life. That is blessed by God. A fulfilling and meaningful life. Now that does not happen automatically. It's something that you have to pursue. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about pursuing these aspects of living well. They are hope, forgiveness, peace, rest, comfort, and unity in community with others. Now, all those things sound great, don't they? But you need to understand that they all have opposites. And sometimes we can get caught up in the opposites. Hope is threatened by discouragement. Forgiveness by anger. Peace by anxiety. Rest sometimes gives way to stress if we let it. Comfort is threatened by grief and loss and unity by divisiveness. We need to understand the threats and we need to recognize that we find the tools for real life wellness right here in the Word of God. Today, we're talking about pursuing hope in the midst of discouragement. Why? Because God is always able to turn things around. Psalm 42, start reading in verse 5 with me. It says this, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? 
Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Now let's talk a little bit about this psalm. You'll note probably at the top your Bible says this is a psalm written by the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah have written many psalms that are included in the Bible. The sons of Korah were the ancient musicians in Israel, the ancient worship leaders, you could say. And that fact in itself tells you that your God is a God of forgiveness and grace. Because the man, Korah, back in Numbers chapter 16, led a rebellion against Moses. He was a priest himself, but he he led a, a small insurrection, you might say. And God himself executed Korah and his followers. But here we are generations later, and the sons of Korah, that family, are leading the nation in worship. And the psalm itself might have sounded a little odd to you as I read it. Maybe, it. maybe you picked up the vibes that is almost like, you know, like kind of like bipolar. First he's happy, then he's sad, happy, sad, back and forth it goes. And it's meant to be like that because this style of literature is called an individual lament. It's, a, it, it, it's a, a, an individual bearing his heart, and some of it is sadness. We didn't read the first four verses, but the first four verses are, are, are the lament portion. It sounds sad. And then verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. And then verses 6 through 7 are the lament portion again. And then there's uh, ver- verse 8, at night his song is with me. And then verses 9 and 10 are the lament portion again. And then verse 11 repeats verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? This is a uniquely Hebrew style of literature and poetry. That pattern actually continues through the 43rd Psalm. Because in the Hebrew Bible, this was all one big psalm. Uh, a lament. Preparing people for the times of difficulty. And I relate to that because one of my duties as your pastor is to preach to you and to pray for you in such a way that you are prepared for the day that disappointment comes into your life. And it will come into your life. We live in a world where bad things happen. We live in a world that's been touched by sin and everything has been affected by it. It won't be like this forever, but it is like this for now. Difficult times will come. Everybody experiences discouragement sooner or later. And when it comes, it will always appear to be out of the blue. It will always seem to be unexpected and undeserved. So the question is, In that pivotal moment, and it is a spiritually pivotal moment for you, how will you react when disappointments come into your life? Will you continue to worship God? Will you turn toward Him and cling tightly to Him and look for the lessons that He can teach in the difficult times? Or 
will you turn away from God when hardship comes? And will you say, listen, this isn't working for me. If God can't deliver for me a tranquil, enjoyable life of ease, then forget it. Who needs him? The question is, which way will you pivot? Because discouragement comes. Disappointment will happen. And sometimes it happens simply because, well, we've, we've, our expectations are not met. Some people, in order to avoid disappointments, just lower their expectations. You know, if I never really expect anything to go right, if I never really hope about anything, if I'm always kind of a pessimist about how things are going to turn out, I'm never going to be let down. I'm never going to be disappointed. Have you heard of Murphy's Law? If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. That saying exists to kind of tamp down your expectations. You know, there really was a Mr. Murphy. I don't know if you knew that. Mr. Murphy was a captain in the Air Force. He was an engineer. And that saying came about evidently in the midst of an experiment that he was working on to test the human body's uh, adjustment to deceleration. When, when all of a sudden we slow down real, real fast from, from a posture of moving. Somehow the, the, the elements of the test mechanics got messed up. The wiring was wrong. And he knew that the data was going to be faulty. And so he had the technicians who were working with him kind of change everything and he was in a sense, yelling at them. And part of what he said was, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. So it's kind of like it's your job to fix it. And that became associated with his name, Murphy's Law. And there's all kinds of derivatives of Murphy's Law now. There's Murphy's Law for mechanics. When your hands become coated with grease, that is when your nose will begin to itch. (laughs) Or Murphy's Law for modern life. The probability of being filmed is directly proportional to the stupidity of your act. That's true by what I see on YouTube. (laughs) Murphy's Law for phone calls. If you dial a wrong number, you never get a busy signal. Somebody always answers. That seems to be true. Or for lane changes. If you change your traffic lane, the one you are now in will move slower than the one you were in. Right? It's Murphy's Law for churches. Church members living 15 miles away or more will always be 15 minutes early. Church members living two blocks away will be 15 minutes late. (laughs) Saying, let us pray, causes babies to cry. Why do we have sayings like this? These all exist so that we have in the back of our mind, let's keep our expectations low. Let's not let our enthusiasm run away from us, with us here. But I think there's a better way of dealing with discouragement. Better than keeping your expectations low, rather, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. When you put your hope in God, it beats the, the, the discouragement cycle. It stops it in its tracks. And there is a cycle of discouragement. It goes like this. Something happens that disappoints us or we get discouraged and we, we reach out and we blame something or someone which causes us to isolate ourselves. And soon we have resentment in our heart which causes more disappointment. And on we go, down and down, down that cycle of discouragement. But you, you fight discouragement by connecting with God who is able, by trusting Him and nothing else. Discouragement will come. It may be a layoff. It may be an illness. 
It may be a material loss or plans that you're making that don't work out. Maybe it's a romance that goes sour. But that is the moment when we need to grab tighter and tighter onto God. I mean, imagine this for a moment. Imagine that I have two glass bowls here, and one of them is filled with acid, and the other one is filled with pure, clean water. And I take an apple, and I cut it in half, and I put one half in each of these bowls. And I wait five minutes. And I watch the apple and the acid begin to bubble up and begin to foam and see brown spots begin to develop. And here, in the pure water, the the apple is just, just floating there, happily And at the end of five minutes, I ask you to eat one of those halves of the apple. Which half are you going to eat? See, the acid represents your problems. The water represents God. Don't immerse yourself in your problems. Immerse yourself in the love of God and find hope in Him. Paul writes it this way in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that passage is written by a man who knew disappointments. He knew discouragements. He experienced danger, but he found hope in God. His faith was tempered through fire, but even in the fire he found hope. So how do we do that? What are the things we must remember to accomplish that? Number one, When discouragement comes, focus on what God is teaching you. Now, let me make it clear. God does not cause bad things to happen in your life so that you can learn a lesson. Bad things happen because the world is complicated and the world is tainted by sin and we are caught up in it. So struggles come, disappointments come. But in all those disappointments, God is always able to teach us and to grow us. Look for what he's teaching. Nancy Guthrie is a woman who's written a book based on the experience of the death of her infant daughter called Hope. The book is called Holding On to Hope. Hope died when she was 199 days old. And in that book, she says this. She says, our faith keeps us from being swallowed up by despair. I don't think it makes our hurt any less. But I said to God, okay, if I have to go through this, give me everything. Teach me everything you want to teach me. Don't let this incredible pain in my life be wasted And that's the point. Don't waste your pain. Disappointments come, but God in them can always be teaching us and growing us. Believe me, if you're a Christian here today, you do not live a charmed life. Jesus is not a lucky rabbit's foot that gets you out of stuff. But you live a blessed life. Because as you go through stuff, God is always there. 
facing the reality with you, with grace and strength, and you can find hope. James puts it this way, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It is in those times that God is teaching. Paul says in Romans 5, suffering brings perseverance. Perseverance brings character. Character brings hope. God is always working. Ask the question and God will answer it. What are you teaching me here? Number two, to find hope and disappointment. When discouragement comes, renew or rewrite the script. Here's what I mean. Back in 2 Chronicles 12, there's a story of discouragement for the people of Israel. Egypt has invaded the land. Israel has lost the battle. And Egypt has carried off the plunder. And part of the plunder were the golden shields that were kept in the temple. And 2 Chronicles 12.10 is a verse that we might skip over quickly, but it says this. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders to, uh, of, the guard, of the guard on duty. You know, it's a wonderful example of what to do when something goes wrong. It was a tragedy. It was a shocking development that the, Egypt, the Egyptians won the battle. The shields were, were taken away from the temple. But Rehoboam didn't get stuck there. He rewrote the script. He says, who says we need gold shields? I'm going to be determined to press on and to move forward. Bronze shields will work. So let's not get off track or get stuck here. The point is... Let's use what we have to do what we need. Be willing to rewrite the script a little bit. I once chatted with a woman in my study. She came in with a problem, and this was her problem. Somebody had done something in her life for which she was furious. And she said, I just cannot forgive this person. But she was a Christian woman. She opened up her Bible day after day, and it was seemingly God was just directing her to these verses which said, forgive as you have been forgiven. And she said, I know that this is what God wants me to do. I just can't do it. And we, we talked for a while. And finally, I said this, listen, I want you to change the, what you're saying. You're saying I just can't forgive. Here's what I want you to say. I just can't forgive yet. Because this is a process. And you've got to be willing to be in the process. Just show up. Do what God wants you to do now. Allow Him to work on your heart. Don't think that this is settled. It's still moving. Change that script a little bit. And God will bring you hope. Thirdly, when you are discouraged and disappointed, be realistic and remember God. Disappointment is a part of every life. And every time it comes, Satan wants you to feel that you are unusually burdened. He wants you to feel that no one else faces these things that you face. You're alone in this. You are, you know, an extreme example. Untrue. We go through this together. On the other side, Satan wants you to think that your life is supposed to be pain-free. He wants you to believe that you are meant to live a life from mountaintop to mountaintop with never any valleys in between. Untrue as well. Be willing to be realistic about the lies that Satan says. 
Issues are a real part of, the li- uh, part of life. But God will help us through the issues that we face. And there are some guidelines that we are meant to understand as he helps us through the issues. Guideline number one is this. Beware of what I call issue inflation. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Issue inflation. It happens late at night when you can't sleep. When your mind is racing and you're thinking about whatever it is that's going on that's bringing stress into your life, disappointment into your life, and it's whirling around and all is still around you, and you take a problem that's maybe worth a nickel and you turn it into a $5,000 problem. That's issue inflation. And in those moments, we have to be wise enough to pray a prayer that says, Lord, help me to see the proportion of things. Help me to put things in proportion. How important is this? What level is this? Don't let it get inflated in your mind. Secondly, avoid personalization. What I mean by that is the wrong thinking that says, you know, all this is my fault. If only I didn't say that, if only I didn't do this, or if only I had said something here, if only I had intervened back there, this whole timeline would be different. All of this is my fault. Once again, life is more complicated than that. People all around you have choices and they make choices. They have free will and the capacity to choose. And maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you did say something wrong. But don't get stuck in what I call the swamp of the if-onlys. Because you can't go back and change it. There's nothing you can do about that now. And that will just cause you to get stuck and not be able to move through. Take the if-onlys out of your life and realize that the question is, what will I do now? Number three, reject perfectionism. No one hits a home run every time. This is not an excuse to be lazy. It's not an excuse not to try your best. Always try your best. Always Expect the people around you to try their best, but that's all you can do, and that's all you can expect. Reject this perfectionistic standard because it is unrealistic and it is unhealthy. One man says this, if practice to perfection, any virtue can become a vice. Prudence creates a tightwad. Honesty can turn into cruelty. Self-respect into vainglory and pride. Knowledge can bring condescension, justice, a heartless harshness. There's no virtue that's not potentially an idol. Reject perfectionism. Renew the faith that God is working in my situation. He's always working and I can trust Him. It's not all up to me. God is on my side. Remember that prayer? I've mentioned it to you before. It says this, Dear God, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy. I haven't been grumpy, nasty, or selfish. I haven't overindulged in anything. And God, I'm thankful for that. But in a few minutes, I have to get out of bed. (laughs) And from there on, I'm going to need a lot of help. That's reality. God is on your side. One more thing. In order to have hope and discouragement, be committed to God's timing to the answer of your prayers. Have you prayed about an issue in your life? Have you brought it before the Lord? He has heard it. Now, trust His timing. Because He knows best. 
1 Samuel 16, David is anointed as the next king over Israel. Happens in his father's house in Bethlehem. David is just a young boy. It comes as a shock. He's a shepherd. They call him in from the fields and he's anointed as king. But when did he actually become king? Almost 18 years later. Let me ask you, would you wait 18 years to get a job that you were promised? Would you be patient enough for that? Or would you long ago have come to the conclusion that Samuel was kind of a nut job? Didn't know what he was talking about. King? I'm waiting. 18 years. Here's the secret to David's patience for the Lord's timing. And it's true for you as well. He accepted the tasks that God gave him along the way. And he did them with excellence. That's what God asks you to do. Accept the tasks that he gives you along the way. While you're waiting for that answer to prayer, he's going to give you some tasks to do. For David, it was shepherding sheep, and he did it to the best of his ability. When he was called upon to kill giants, he did it to the best of his ability. And that enabled him to wait patiently for the Lord's perfect timing in his life. And that's true of you too. All along the way, God is going to give you tasks. Show up and do your best for him. And God will show you hope. Fight discouragement with hope. Put your hope in God. Why? God can always turn things around. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we trust you. We trust in your ability. We trust in your might. We trust in the fact that what we see as blockages in the way, you can move to the side. Because you always have a next step. You're never out of your depth. You're never lost for what to do. So, Lord, we pray that in the things that we are concerned about and and, and burdened about, that we trust you and we recognize that you will make a way. Lord, help us to follow hard after your way. And we know that that way is best. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Let's stand together as we sing. turn lives around. Let's sing about that. You are here. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you.
In just a minute, we're going to go our separate ways today, some to classes, others to the appointments of the day. But maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, there is an issue in my life for which I need prayer. There is a disappointment or a concern or some decision that's waiting and I need God's guidance and direction. Or maybe what you need more than anything else is to say yes to the love of Jesus for the first time. We have prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table. No matter what the issue is, they will wait for you and they will pray with you. You slip forward. But first, let's all pray together. Thank you, God, that you are a way maker. Sometimes the journey seems clouded. We don't know exactly which way to go. But Lord, we can depend on your guidance and we can rely on your help. Thank you, God, that you are never surprised that nothing ever sneaks up on you, that you always know the end from the beginning, and so we trust you. And we want to represent you well this week. Help us do that, we pray. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Thanks for coming.